welcome to episode 121 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we skate with wild hearts on our cab pilgrimage through end of the year with Apple. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I, I My fare is paid up, and I'm ready to take that ride down for wild hearts. Yeah, it's a fun week because... We have like Halloween's next week. We got Apple TV Plus coming, Apple earnings calls coming up. All this stuff is over like the next couple of weeks. But for this week, there's not the much that much going on. So we had to kind of come up with some other stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, Apple is kind of slowed down in the news and kind of just biding their time until the end of the month when everything comes out. And so... We do have some rumors. The first one is that there's going to be a launch of AirPods 2, where the pretty much we got new AirPods, but that was just the wireless charging case. It wasn't like a redesign. So with AirPods 2, it will essentially be a brand new noise-canceling based, no, new design based, $260 price tag based AirPods. Yeah, they're kind of dubbing these the pros. Yeah. So the, the new tech companies are doing with their uh, buds. It seemed like everyone else went with buds, and they all went with the noise canceling. And now Apple has to come out, do that themselves. And the rumors are it's going to be way more expensive than everyone else is charging because, hey, it's Apple. Yeah, Apple started off with the AirPods and kind of blew people away with the price point. And then since then, We've seen brands you've never heard of have like $35 versions, and then you have well-known companies release their versions, but they add in features. So Apple's like, okay, we'll bring those features in, yeah, but then we'll the, jack up the, the other price change $100. That they're kind of, that they look, at least the, uh, and no one's actually seen these things, but the rumors are that they will kind of look somewhat like the, the other ones, except they'll have rubber ends on them. Probably that helps you with the uh, the noise cancellation. Like, you know, so like a lot of these, they don't have, like the nice thing with the AirPods is they kind of just sit in your ears. Most of these, because they have the noise canceling, they have the ones that really kind of go into your ears. So they go into the ear canal, which I'm not as big of a fan of. I love the fact with the AirPods that they, with the AirPods, that they kind of just sit in your ears. They don't kind of give me I, when i have those that go in my ear canal i get like almost like this claustrophobic like tunneling kind of sensation and i don't find them comfortable so hoping apple doesn't go that way not that i plan on replacing my airpods they're still working great but uh i'm curious to see if that's the way they go just because that's the way everyone else has been going uh with their with their offerings And then with rumors, of course, there's various different reports. You have some ideas that this these are going to launch in the first quarter of 2020. Some say as soon as this month, but as we're now on October 22nd, I'm kind of ruling out the idea that we're going to have an Apple event, especially because they have to invite members of the press a couple weeks before, and we're right, already yeah, at this to point, the end of October. will be a simple press release that just goes out. I don't think we're going to see any kind of event. They they have an earnings call coming up, too, so it doesn't make sense now at this point. There's not enough time for them to do it in October. Uh, and then November 1st is the Apple TV stuff, so unless they push it out and do something in November, I don't see anything other than press releases happening before the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. For me, I'm definitely keeping my AirPods that I have right now. I don't think 
noise cancellation or wireless or yeah wireless charging which i don't have yet or uh waterproof or any of these features that they're going to add as enough for me to say that that 160 dollars i spent that's already done yeah i don't need the noise canceling especially because pretty much now everyone in my office has airpods and everyone has airpods on so what do you need the, the noise canceling if everyone's listening to music no one's really talking so it's fine. I mean, and if people are talking, then I just tend to tune it out and I'm or turn up the volume and I'm good. And I've never been a fan of noise canceling on small headsets anyway. It seems like you need the over the ear stuff. Yeah, and they tend to go through burn through the batteries faster. So it's there's a lot of downsides to it. The only time I really wish I had them was when I was on a plane. And even, but other than that, I've never really mm-hmm. felt the need for them. It's mostly on a plane, and even and at that point, you might as well get the over the ear because you're gonna have so much commotion and other things going on that I'm not sure this is really gonna help. And plus, when your ears like clog up like that, having the in ear canal ones up in the air are the worst. I've had those just with normal headphones, and it was way worse than even how I feel when I just wear them outside of that. Yep, and then Apple also released the Beats Solo Pro headphones with active noise cancellation thanks to the... They also have the new H1 chip for Hey Siri support, and these are over-the-ear headphones. They cost $300, so essentially only $40 more than these rumored new AirPods. You can get the Beats yeah, Solo over-the-ear over the headphones. They've cost like $300 range for years now. That's not even like... That's cheap for Apple. Like, they could have easily... I know, it's just $40 more than the yeah, AirPods, too. Yeah, I, I don't that's understand that, because reasoning. you could always buy the those over-the-ear headphones for like around the $300 range. So, uh, it doesn't... It, that almost seems like a deal to me, but... Uh, I guess it, it depends on what your style is. I like the just the buds just because they're easy to pull in and out. I, I love the fact that the AirPods pause my music when I do it. I don't tend to wear the over-the-head ones, except if I'm using it for gaming or watching TV, uh, because that's how I have it hooked up to my gaming system. So uh, otherwise, I'm mostly just using a, a buds, and that's my preferred style. And so then also, it's not just AirPods 2, but we have iPhone SE 2. And again, these are all rumors, but it turns out that that smaller version of the iPhone, Apple's like, let's do it again, but we won't make it as small. We'll make it bigger, which it seems like the reason you kept SE is because some people like the small 3.5 inch phone. If anything, you'd think they would just make it edge to edge screen of 3.5 inches and have a really tiny device for super portability. but no. We're going with the iPhone 8 size. Yeah, this of completely the goes against any reason to have the SE, except the, the fact that we did hear rumors that 2020 iPhones, they would be getting rid of that 4.7 inch size and everything would be bigger. So I guess this is maybe, let's forget about those people that love that small 3.5 inch phone. Maybe they're finally ready to upgrade and people that don't want to go to our new sizes that love the 4.7 inch let's give them this as an option. But it still seems to go against everything that people love to bet the SE. You really should have just given a spec bump, like you said, give them that edge-to-edge screen, and then 
call it a day and just go with that. And I think it would have probably done well because there's no one. Everyone else is leaving that area. Everyone else is getting out of the small phone business. You had a niche product that people would love. And now you kind of just eliminated it. And I, I don't know. It seems like a dumb move to me, but I guess we'll find out if this thing sells or not. It, it is a dumb move. I don't <laughs> even care. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. You have the technology to make it edge to edge. It would be really neat to have, because that 3.5 inch, if you've ever picked up an iPhone 4, 5, or 6 or something after using like the iPhone 10 or the Mac sizes, it's like this launch back in time. It's this little tiny baby device. It looks like you're holding like a penny in your hand. It's like, how did I ever go day to day using this? And imagine if they then cut off the top and bottom bezel, which were so significant on that iPhone 4 style. You'd have a little, t it would be like the iPod Nano type of thing, but it would be the phone. And it's still, that's 3.5 yeah, inches. Yeah, my daughter used to use the size. old iPod touches. And going back to that thing, it was so hard to even type on it. Like, I don't even understand because there was so much bezel over on the side and then trying to type on it. And then you, if you were to put a case on it, oh my gosh, it, it just becomes even that much worse. So, and you know <laughs> you're going to put cases on it. Most people put cases on these things. So it, it just doesn't make Everybody any me. sense. Like, do the edge-to-edge -edge screen. You, you sell more of them. And I mean, I, at this point, it's still rumors. They nothing. We haven't seen any actual things. It's all rumors at this point. There's still time for them to make changes. So Apple, and we know you're listening. Uh, this is our input. Go ahead, make those changes, yes. and get back to us. Yeah, because the price is three ninety nine. So you have the affordable price point. Make it an actual differentiating feature. Four point seven inch screen like is just else. like a like an older Android phone. It's not no, like a no, distinguishing you're just factor. Like everyone else at this point, you had something that was separate and unique. Keep it that way. Yep. So maybe 2020 we'll see an iPhone SE 2. And then that 16-inch MacBook Pro still being referenced and still being rumored and it's still not available. And if they do a press release version sometime in November, that's the only chance for a 2019 release. Otherwise, it's going to be Q1 2020. And we could see a good uh, March 2020 event now with new AirPods with iPhone SE 2, with this new 16-inch MacBook Pro, with the new iPad Pro, all these different things they have. Yeah, for did you March see someone did like a, a fake mock-up of whatever this 16-inch iPad Pro was going to be with like six USB-C ports on it? It, it? it was pretty crazy. But yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I think some of this stuff is just going to be in press releases. But yeah, I'm hoping for... January then I guess because I I don't know I was really hoping to get a new iPad this year but now I may have to hold out to see what this this next iPad unless there's some insane deal for Black Friday uh I might have to hold out and see whatever's coming next uh but yeah it's kind of disappointing that they that they this all seemed to be pushed out but then again they're having so many problems with the operating systems that they kind of basically should really fix those first before they start launching new products that run these buggy os's that they released this year one other item that we might see is a home pod too because the first one did so well there's rumors of a home pod mini 
to kind of compete with the smaller versions of Google Home Mini and the Alexa smaller speaker, the Alexa Echo Dot or whatever it's called. So I I have no idea, <laughs> but it's there's rumors are out there because Apple sold, I think, two HomePods. One was to Tim Cook himself, and I think Phil Schiller bought the other one. But other than no, that... No, I think they bought three because remember they had to pair up to them to show that worked. Yeah, that that makes sense. And so maybe the guy who we don't even know his name who designed it himself, and he's like, "This is really great." Maybe he bought it. He couple. might have bought him for all his family and friends. Like, hey, look, my new product came out. But yeah, so this is yeah. yet another HomePod I don't need to buy. So good. HomePod Mini. Because <laughs> <laughs> the best selling feature of our HomePod is the speaker is better than everybody else. So what we did is we got rid of that distinguishing factor and made it smaller and worse, and now it's cheaper. So that sounds like a really smart business plan, too. And you get to use about the worst personal assistant on the market. Uh, so, yeah. Great. I won't say her name because I'll start <laughs> triggering all my devices if I do. Uh, it is fun when you say it, though, and you watch your phone, your iPad, and your Mac all go off, and they're trying to decide who gets priority to take in your full message. Well, I was telling my coworker today <laughs> something, and I meant I said, hey... And her name, and then all of a sudden they started recording a reminder because I was telling them about a reminder I had set, and it started going. My phone started going off, my watch started going off as I was telling them this story. So yeah, it all goes off. Yep. And then if you are a sports fan, it's worth noting that today, October twenty second, the World Series is underway, and the NBA season is tipping off. And so for the World Series. If you have a cable subscription, it's super easy. You just download the Fox Sports Go app. You're good to go. You can watch all games no matter how or where you want to do it. If you don't have a cable subscription, it's a lot tougher. You pretty much have to sign up for YouTube TV or Fubo TV or PlayStation View, one of these specific streaming-based TV services. So you can't essentially just watch it for free you can't be like oh i want to watch the world series well not on on a device you could with an antenna on a tv if you if you were so inclined yeah but we're talking about yes, ios yes <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of disappointing then if you are an nba fan well you can watch nba league pass on your iphone or your ipad but it costs 120 dollars a year if you just want to watch one team if you want to watch all teams, it costs $200 a year. If you want to watch all teams without commercials, it costs $250 a year. But the fun caveat is that there's blackout restrictions. So I live in Los Angeles, and conveniently enough, I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. But with NBA League Pass, you cannot watch Los Angeles games. So you can't watch the Clippers or the Lakers in the LA area, which, I mean, that sounds like I just spent a great $250 to watch something that I only care about one thing, and I can't watch that. Now, these services, do they base it on your billing address, or do they, can you use no, a VPN? No, they base it on the, the GPS of your iPad. So you can't, you, could you use a VPN then? You can use a VPN to get around it. That's how I've done MLB at Bad in the okay, Past. Okay, okay. Uh, I wasn't sure if they base it on, like, when you sign up, you give them your home. Well, no, it recognizes also if you're using a VPN now, too. So you have to essentially use a second service right right like there's services to just get you around the blackout restriction to kind of confuse that you're even using a vpn at all but then you do also have to so you have to use two services right yeah i know that like even with the streaming services there's a lot of like i have a vpn they have certain servers that you can go to if you want to use certain streaming services these have not been flagged yet by the 
by yeah. the company, and then they constantly have to change those servers because those get ha- those get identified. So it's like a never-ending battle. But uh, to me, like I, I mean, I don't really care about sports except for my kids' sports and the Olympics. Uh, and then if my home teams make the the big series or Super Bowl or whatever, then I'll watch. But otherwise, to me, I don't really care. But I can definitely see where this would affect a lot of people. If you do, if you are any kind of sports fan, it there's all kinds of limitations and hurdles you have to jump through to try to just watch your team on your mobile devices. It's amazing. It's 2019, and they still haven't figured it out. Not the NBA, NFL, or MLB. They all do the same dumb thing. Yeah, it makes no sense, because it's not like if you're someone watching at home, it's not like you were going to buy tickets and go to the actual game. So it makes absolutely no sense that you shouldn't be able to watch your home team on one of these services. I don't get it. And it doesn't make sense for the broadcasters themselves. I mean, oh, it cuts into the ad revenue because you're not watching it or whatever. Broadcast the same exact feed that you're broadcasting to the TV. Right, yeah. Just use your iOS devices as another viewing platform. I don't get it. No, this is the same thing I with that I feel for about with any of these uh, digital TV services. Why can't they show your local network television channels? Just show the exact same freaking ads that they show on those channels. Then you're like you're not showing anything different. Just play the exact same feed, exact same ads, and then it's not like you're doing anything. So I just I don't understand it. I don't understand why in yeah, this day and age we can't just get around these situations and the people that are supposed to get paid for the ads get paid and you're just carrying the signal. Yeah. I don't even get why you have to have a separate digital-based advertising campaign. Like, oh, we only have these specific set of ads if you're watching it digitally. Yeah, I I don't get it. (laughs) And so NBA League Pass also, if you want to watch a nationally broadcast game that's on NBA TV, TNT, ESPN, or ABC, that's excluded. So at $250, ooh. But also, (laughs) one neat thing of NBA League Pass is for $50 on top of your $250 or... 200 or 120 whatever for $50 you get a VR version and that lets you watch NBA League game passes produced in virtual reality so it's as though you're sitting courtside and they've made it to watch the game and that is absolutely brilliant but this isn't a VR podcast and that is a pretty penny to drop $50 on top of your 200 or 120 or $250 choice right and how many of those games are actually produced in VR too yeah, I can't imagine every single game of every NBA team is. No, no, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't tell me. <laughs> but yeah, so sports fan, sorry. And then luckily, beyond all that little Apple tidbits and stuff, remember, mark your calendars, October 30th, Apple's earning report. October 31st, that's Halloween. And then <laughs> November 1st, we have Apple TV+. Plus. So... Next week is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll have more to talk about next week with Apple. Yeah, and then, so, well, we also have November 12th, Disney Plus. So we got all kinds of fun stuff going on. But before we get there, to keep you kind of occupied and entertained in the meantime, Apple Arcade is chugging along. Like we said, they launched with 70 games. They've been launching four or five new games every single week since then. And we're still on the backlog from the intro and they're releasing new good stuff to talk about. So. We're going to talk about Sayonara Wild Hearts, which was one of the big launch titles. It comes as 
from Samogo who made some awesome games. Beat Sneak Bandit comes to mind instantly just because it's a similar rhythm-based game, but they're probably best known for Device 6 or Gear Walk. Just really interesting kind of change of pace type of games. And so with Sayonara Wild Hearts, there's an excellent soundtrack and all of the gameplay is tied to that soundtrack. There's these really ornate 3D environments to go through and it's all just rhythm-based tapping. Or you slide your finger to move your character and then you tap at specific times. It's kind of familiar in that idea. But everything is really tied to the design and the soundtrack exceptionally well. The kind of problem is that the game, it's kind of like Hot Lava. Hot Lava is a great game, but you can't really play it with touch controls. And Cyanide Wild Hearts is the same thing. I switched the sensitivity slider all the way to be as sensitive as possible. And it's still like you're grinding gears to get your character to slide from left to right. So you want to get that third party controller out to play this game. And then once you do, it's a free flowing, great uh, action packed soundtrack based game. Though, even when you do get that controller out, it seems like the action isn't perfectly in tune or there's not as a complex actions really, there's not enough things to do to go with how varied and detailed the soundtrack is. Like the gameplay is relatively simplistic and the soundtrack is relatively complex. And so it doesn't necessarily match up. Yeah, so this was one I saw at PAX East and the demo I got to see of this was on a Nintendo Switch. And I sat down and I was blown away. So much fun. Just It's like you're riding around in a music video. The, the music immediately captures your attention. It is so good. Your foot's tapping. You're flying through these things in this neon world. And things are flipping around. You're trying to move around as fast as you can to collect these hearts. And it's just craziness on screen. It, it's a rhythm game. But you're just moving around, and everything's moving fast, and you're just trying to move up with it, and it worked great with that Nintendo Switch. So I was came back, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, a uh, Apple Arcade title, I'm so excited, this is going to be awesome. And then I started trying to play it on my iPad, and... I, like you, cranked up the sensitivity the highest possible, and you can just not drag across that screen fast enough to catch anything. So you are like low scores, you're not getting even enough to pass the, the, the level, let alone like anything respectable. And it's not because you can't play, it's because the thing just does not work on touchscreen. The closest I got to getting this to be somewhat usable even then it still wasn't great was on my iphone 10 to play on that instead of the ipad because now you have everything's closer together it's smaller on the screen it worked fairly well but still not well enough so finally i i played on the apple tv and it still kind of seemed to lag a little bit it didn't seem perfect i don't have the 4k apple tv maybe one with a better processor would work better it just still didn't seem 100 percent even with that so then I went with my Game Vice controller, which is the kind that kind of slams on either side of your iPad screen and then gives you the dual sticks and, and buttons and everything. Finally, even I, and the sensitivity was still jacked up, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Finally, it was very close to how I felt like the Nintendo Switch was, where you move and it felt 
like you were moving you had no problem gliding across like riding this motorcycle across the both sides of the screen and collecting things and it finally felt like a proper game it just the touch controls just do not work with the fast action of this game and i mean it's one of the stipulations of apple arcade is all the games have to work with touch controls as well as with an external controller and i think it's just not feasible for the types of games. Like, not everything's going to work with touch controls, but they have to support it because it's part of it. And I think if you're someone who doesn't have a external controller, you're really probably not going to enjoy this game all that much. Unless they do something to improve that sensitivity even more, it's just not going to work because of the speed of the game. I enjoyed just kind of like playing through it. I I agree with you. It's it's kind of e- a little too easy. There's not a lot of real complex stuff to go on, but just the music and the rhythm and just taking it for like the experience that it is. I enjoyed it. It's not as uh, the storyline. I couldn't tell you what's going on. It's kind of crazy and and nuts. <laughs> I I preferred like Device Six and Yearwalk. I thought those were much more interesting stories and just overall more appealing games to me but i enjoyed my experience with this once i finally got a solution that brought me closer to nintendo switch that made me fall in love with it when i first demoed it but i think you're better off playing this on another platform than the apple platforms well i i think as long as you have an xbox or playstation controller you're perfectly fine with the ipad hooked up and going along that way that that would probably be my preferred way to play this game but i i don't know i loved the experience of it i love being in it but it seems like when i was frustrating and messing around with the controls i still got through every level i didn't have an awesome score but it's not like the game was so difficult that since i can't control it i can't beat a level and so even like there's parts where i'm just gonna sit and stare at the screen and watch the beautiful colors go by I'm doing relatively well. I'm not, you know, utterly trash at the game. I'm not dying or crashing or having to restart constantly, even by not touching the screen or not doing anything at all. So that's always <laughs> kind of, for me, a disappointing aspect of a game. Yeah, so wh- there was one thing I did notice that was different from the demo that I took. So uh, when you do crash, so if you do crash into something, it kind of rewinds you back and then you have another chance to do it. And then uh, if you die enough times then it prompts you to say do you want to just skip this section all that was in the demo that i did and then or you can turn that off completely if you don't want to get ass and you want to make sure you always get to try everything the weird thing is i seem to remember in the demo so in this in the released version of the game at least on ios i haven't tried the released uh, Nintendo Switch version, but when you die, it automatically jumps you back to some period of time back, and then you continue from there. In the demo version I played, it was this cool kind of rewind that you had a limited amount of rewind, and you could rewind back and go back as far as you wanted to retry, and and you could do it at any time. So say you missed a heart, I think you could do it at any time to kind of rewind back and then to improve your score but you had a limited amount of this otherwise you had to retry the whole level all over again and i really like that idea the only thing i can think of is they wanted to remove some of the complexity and confusion that maybe this would cause people and just kind of keep that constant flow of moving forward and this was an easier way to just quickly jump you back and continue 
that's the only thing I can think of because I really like that other mode that you had a choice of, but uh, I don't know what happened to it. Or maybe it was just in my imagination that this thing ever existed. I don't know, but I, I remember it being pretty cool. <laughs> I Really, though, just credit to that checkpoint system because it would be more frustrating or annoying if you had to restart these sequences when you are frustrated with the controls or make a subtle mistake or something like that. So at least they do have that really smooth checkpoint system. But like Hot Lava, as long as you get that controller set up, you're not going to lose. This isn't that type of game. Right. Though I, I admit, replaying a section to collect specific hearts is pretty neat. But really, I just, it's missing something. I, I don't know what it is. There's some ingredient that it's missing. I don't know if it's the challenge. I don't know if it's more complex action sequences. I don't know if it's the ability to do more different things to tie everything together. but I didn't really care to come back to it. You play it, you're like, wow, this is awesome. You tell people, oh, look how cool this is. But it's not a game you keep coming back to and playing. It's more of like a show-off title. Yeah, to me, I, I didn't keep going back to it just because I had to be set up with a controller and do all... Like, it wasn't something that was easy and quick for me to just pick up my phone and start playing again. And that's where I had trouble. And then the other thing I found annoying was there were sections of the text where if you've already played a level you couldn't skip through this text and you had to sit through it slow or like whole animated sequences. You wouldn't let you skip it, even if you had already seen it before, which was kind of annoying. Uh, I have, on the other hand, been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify constantly while at work. So I'm a huge fan of the soundtrack and that I've been listening to like crazy. Just the game. It just seems like it's more of a struggle to play or because of the limitations on the device that I just don't find myself playing it, going back and playing more of it uh, because of that. The game goes by relatively quickly. Yes, so. yes, it is a relatively short. But then again, I, I would say all of the Simogo games have really been that kind of almost, it's an experience and you're done, and it doesn't take too long to go through these, uh, usually. Uh, I would say even Device yeah. 6 and those, they didn't take that long, even though there was a little more thinking and puzzling involved they still were relatively quick to play through so i mean i kind of expected that but i don't know it's still worth noting yep. and so that's cyanar wild hearts if you have the proper setup it's one of the best experiences on apple arcade it just takes a lot to get into and it's still missing that some kind of ingredient it's kind of like oceanhorn 2 oceanhorn 2 is like a standout title we talked about it last week but it just is lacking that ingredient to keep you coming back, to really engage you and intrigue you to want to keep going. It's There's hiccups and hindrances to that overall experience. Yep, I agree. And so then there's Pilgrims, which actually just came out last week. It comes from the makers of Machinarium as well as a bunch of others. As soon as you see, they made like Chukul and as soon as you see Botanicula, their art style is instantly identifiable. You're like, oh, those guys. <laughs> and so Pilgrims, it fits right into that idea, but it's a completely different game. Again, with all their games, they don't have any voice work or text. It's all kind of just like these random sounds and just evocative emotions of the different characters. And in this case, you start out as this one Pilgrim guy, and he interacts with the forest that goes and expands into different worlds. And every person that he comes across, there's a set of cards at the bottom of the screen. And you drag those cards in to play those items. So he goes up to this one guy and the guy wants a fish or a wine or whatever, a coin. 
and you have those cards. If you don't have those cards, well, you have to go somewhere else and find those cards. So you might go to the church or the innkeeper or a guy out in the middle of nowhere who has a sword and you might need that sword later on. Or you go to the bear cave and maybe there's some item that I can then use with the sword guy and then get the sword from him so then I can go back over here. So the game is all this overarching puzzle thing where you go find places, you interact with people, you find out what they need, and then you find those items in other places and then you piece it all together. It's really fun to ultimately see it all come together where, okay, I know I need to go to this guy to pick up this and then I need to use it over here and then that will give me this and then I can finally clear this pathway forward and expand the map to a whole new horizon. It's really neat once it all comes together. Yeah, it's a, you, you start out really confused and not really knowing what to do, and then you realize you can drag these cards onto the screen, and those objects become part of the things, or you give them to someone, and and you pick up new members into your, your party, and so you might have to drag on a different person onto the screen, and they'll have a different interaction with the environment, or a different interaction with the the character you're talking to. So it's all this trial and error as you try to figure out exactly what you need to do. And those people you interact with will give you those clues of what you need to get. But then when you trigger something and you trigger one of these events, all of a sudden it'll switch you to this other screen with all of these flipped over cards. And one of them will flip over and reveal a scene of something you just did. So now you've hit one of these 45 achievements and then when you're in that screen, you can tap on the other cards and they'll flip them over. But it's kind of like this grayed out kind of rough drawing of something. You can't quite make out what it is, but you can kind of get a clue of it. And it gives you a hint of maybe some other thing you need to have happen to trigger that card and activate that card. And now you have you've hit that achievement as well. So it kind of gives you an idea of other things you can try or other things you can do. And as you're trying to figure out the whole story, and even if you finish the entire story, you're not going to hit all 45 of those achievements. You can replay it and then try to hit some of those other ones that maybe you didn't hit and just try other things, other give uh, different items to different people or try other things you haven't done. And it'll eventually, hopefully, you can unlock all 45 of the achievements by playing through the game multiple times. It's really neat to see those cards and scenes unlock and like little kind of recaps and reminders of what you were able to accomplish. And it's all about just character interaction. Like you said, you drag over different people in your party. Once you do add somebody to your party, it's neat because then it opens up like there's an old lady and she's going to work better with certain items than the main guy that you start with. And so it changes up how you interact with people and who you start with. And it's just really neat. Your parties expand slowly but surely. And then your card deck, you know, when I first played the game, I played the first five minutes and like, what am I even doing? <laughs> I have no idea. This game is stupid. And then I didn't play it for a day and I came back to it. And then I was hooked because you figure it out. It all connects together. And soon you have this deck of like 25 cards and you have five people in your party. And there's this huge map to explore and you're weaving back and forth of, oh, yeah, this was back over here and it needs to be used over there really ornate design work to have all these different things pieced together and tying the different items to different characters to interact with different locations and really great job this is what i talk about when it's like an engaging game that keeps you coming back 
and drawn to keep going forward. Yeah, I absolutely love the visual style of this. I love the whole card mechanic. It was so unique in the way you, you interact with everything. You can play it in landscape or in, in uh, portrait mode. Doesn't matter. It'll fill the screen better in portrait mode. Uh, and it just immediately super charming. And I was hooked from the get-go. And like, like you, I was totally confused. <laughs> like, wait, what the heck? Something just happened. Now this guy became a card in a deck? I don't even know what to do. And then I tried dragging on and like all of a sudden he's there. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess we drag these things up and that's how we do it. And then then you're just totally clueless about what you're even supposed to do. So you start tapping around the map and then you start to slowly piece things together. And then it becomes like second nature. You're like, oh, I know I need to do this, this. Oh, that didn't work. I got to get these items again and try something else with them. And so I just found it super fun. I am definitely playing through to try to find all 45 of these achievements. This was a, a, my favorite game that we played this week. I absolutely loved it. I love uh, Samros and I love Machinarium. I love the, the stuff that, um, what is it, Aman, Amanina Design, I think it's the company. I love their games, and this was just like a super surprise. I had no idea what to expect, but I I was immediately charmed by this. Yep, hundred percent. My only problem was that there was a few issues with the UI, or not the UI, but it seems like I'd have to tap four or five times on a card to get it to go in every few environments that I went to. I I don't know what that kind of bug that is, but it was a little annoying. But it's kind of like Jenny LeClue where. There's some annoyances in the UI and the interface, but it doesn't matter because the game is so good, you overlook well, it. Well, I will give them props for not only having your ability to skip through uh, sequences. So you, it kind of fast forwards so you could still kind of see what happened just in case you need a refresher of what happened by doing something. But then you could also double tap on locations on the map and you immediately jump there. You didn't have to wait for the whole party of three guys that you had to walk all the way over there. They immediately jumped to that that location and you'd be there so they it's great that they added those quick things so you weren't like having to watch stuff kind of like what i complained about in sayonara wild hearts yep and so that's pilgrims it's guess what it's available on apple arcade you can sign up for a free trial you only have 30 days you better take full advantage of those 30 days or really just spend 60 dollars over the next 12 months you can play all these games you don't have to worry about time or any of that stuff yep So next up is Skate City. It comes from the makers of Where Cards May Fall or Where Cards Fall, whatever. The one we just talked about, you know, they're snowman games. They made Alto's Odyssey. And so with Skate City, it's completely different. Where Cards Fall is a whole puzzle experience. Alto's Odyssey is an endless adventure game. And Skate City is just a sports simulation game where it ties into as familiar and accessible version of possible of performing skate maneuvers. Like, on iOS, we had Touch Grind as well as True Skate, and those have both been top-down where you kind of have that tech deck available on your two fingers. This zooms it out so you have an actual third-person perspective of a playable character. It doesn't go full-on Tony Skate or Tony Hawk Skate where that's a 3D environment. This is more 2D side-scrolling idea, but similar ideas and accessibility to different controls. So you have every possible skate trick you could possibly imagine. You have multiple different cities you can go to. You can do an endless skate to just practice and work on your tricks. But the heart of the game is that there's challenge missions. Each city has dozens of different challenge missions to complete. Some are based on grind. Some are performing particular tricks. 
some you need to get to a certain score total, all these different ways to challenge you and vary up the gameplay. And the entire game is made for touch in that you swipe, you tap and swipe in different directions to perform tricks. You have all eight directions of a kind of a compass where you can swipe in the four northwest, south, or east, or the different divisions in there. So you have eight diagonal different choices for both your left finger and your right finger. So there's 16 potential different things you can pull off. Pretty much the variations are kind of the angle and the trajectory of your moves. And then you can do the different grinds by tapping at certain specifics. And then you can speed up by just tapping on the right side of the screen. But all these different things, it's pretty easy to pull off. Like, you might not be as like, oh, I wanted to do a kickflip there. And a kickflip is like a swipe diagonal downwards. And it actually did a nollie or something. But you still performed a trick. Like, sometimes. But again, that seems like a rarer occurrence more often than not it does pull off exactly what you want because it's just swipe based combo system it's pretty intuitive and general for anyone to pick it up and start performing all kinds of different skate tricks yeah i think if you're just tooling around and doing the things that all worked fine for me the problems came in when you had specific moves you had to pull off for some of the challenges so they would have you say you had to swipe in a certain direction on the left side of the screen and then tap on the right while you're in the air or something and or and i found that it did not for some reason recognize i was tapping on the right side of the screen maybe i wasn't tapping in the right spot i don't understand what i was doing wrong but it would not recognize it and then it just would you always i I found like i was paying more attention to where my fingers were especially on the ipad of when because you would switch between things so now this one this trick you have so say your task is to perform 10 tricks so i see that it shows you what the trick you have to perform it shows like you're swiping on one side and tapping on the on the other side or and then the next one might be swiping on the opposite side so i'm just more focused on where my fingers are and where I need to swipe than actually paying attention to the screen and then maybe some object gets in my way and I trip over it or I've lost momentum at this point where now I have to go try to kick it more and I just found with touch controls it was another of these games that just didn't feel natural to me especially with the having to keep on switching sides of the screen maybe if it was like a a one-handed yeah, I could hold onto my iPad with one hand and pull off everything I need to do with just a single hand. I think it would have been more comfortable. But once I switched to my game vice and had the dual sticks on either side, then it felt like a much more polished and natural feeling game. And pulling off those taps and 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 swipes at the same time was much more natural because now I had a physical button to press and I had that muscle memory of just be able to have fingers on these buttons at all times and I could just do that and not have to look where I was or make sure I'm tapping in the right spot or I don't know it to me it just felt like again the physical controls felt so much better than dealing with the touch controls because this thing had you constantly switching sides of the screen i i don't i didn't have a problem with the controls beyond trying to do nose grind where it's like tap on the left top corner of the screen any times it was taps in specific areas that threw me off but anytime it was a swipe control i was able to pull it off effortlessly i didn't need physical controls or specific areas because you can swipe pretty much anywhere 
Again, you're just changing left or right orientation for these moves because it's all 2D scale. So I, I never, as long as you have the iPad, I mean, hold it held in your hand and you're using your thumb on each side of the screen, it's as natural as I could have imagined. It feels just like a regular controller. Well, it's the tapping. I, it was that tapping of having to move my hand to tap in a certain spot. Yeah, the taps are ruin the whole thing. I agree. Yeah, th that's <laughs> where the real problem was, especially if you're on an iPad, because now you're holding this this larger object you have to completely adjust where your hand is in order to do the tap or use a second hand you have to be like okay i'm moving a i'm doing a swipe with my left hand and then my right hand has to hover towards the top of the screen to do the tap right right and, and then you have to drop your right hand back into position when you then need to do a right-handed trick yeah. right exactly yeah so it's though that was the specific situation where i found it super frustrating uh to use the touch controls where all that was immediately alleviated by the, the physical controller because your hands are always in the right position. You just have to press the right combination of things. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I didn't try the third-party controller. I tried to just deal with it because it didn't... It was never as annoying as Serenite Wild Hearts or Hot Lava, so like it has to be really bad for me to give up <laughs> and try the third party controller because then you have to connect it and bluetooth oh, I and know. all that uh, yeah, yeah. stuff. Oh, I know. So what I did was I had played all these and it wasn't it was just before we recorded tonight that I went back, well except for Sayonara Wild Hearts that I needed the the physical controller. But this I just tried it shortly before we we recorded tonight to see how it was with a physical controller and it was like so nice to have that the the controller there all the time and have the buttons and it, though that you actually press the button twice so it has you like while you're up in the air you have to press the button twice rather than just tapping the screen once that you do uh with the touch controls that's definitely good to note. So that's Skate City. If you do like any type of skateboard simulation games, Snowman Games has done a really good job to bring it and make it accessible for iOS. If you do get into that position where that tap is annoying, you always have the option for the third-party controllers. But the basic swipe moves are well done. And there's a lot of different missions and variety to do, different locations to keep things fresh. Really good design. For me, I like Skate City more than where cards fall. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, especially like there's always a variety of those, uh, those various challenges that you can do. And say you get like a bad string of of moves you have to pull off. Well, you can replay that same challenge, and it's going to be a randomized set of moves you got to pull off. So you might get lucky and not have a combination that's really frustrating to do right in a row, and then you can pull it off. The next time you try or the so it's one of these where you can keep on retrying and you will find yourself retrying because you want to get the three stars and max them out so that you can open unlock a new city and try even new challenges a new area which has new kind of things in the environment for you to check out like pools and fountains and so it, it's I, I'm really enjoying it. I didn't mean to like sound so negative in this. I'm actually really enjoying it. It's fun to kind of have a, a skating game again on, on mobile that is more kind of accessible and not all about having your hand completely cover the screen as you try to pull off these 3D tricks. So uh, it is a fun, easy, approachable uh, skating game. Yeah, it just, I kept thinking about where cards fall and how. I really liked the puzzle mechanics, but the story didn't engage me, so I didn't want to go from puzzle to puzzle. And Skate City, that doesn't worry about story or any of that stuff. It keeps you engaged 
more like um, Speed Demons does with all variety of modes and gameplay to keep you going from each area to unlock new challenge sets and then new eventual cityscapes. Yeah, yeah, the variety in the challenges really makes this one one that I found myself going back to more than where Cards Fall did. And so that's Skate City. It's available on Apple Arcade. And then there's Neocab, <laughs> which we've played a bunch of story games so far. You know, we had Jenny the Clue. We had Over the Alps. We had Overland is kind of there. Oceanhorn is a lot of that. And so with Neocab, it's heavy story. Like this is reminiscent of a Telltale game where it's the choose your own adventure style. You have dialogue choices. And in this case, it's set slightly in the future. You're kind of like an Uber driver. We've gotten to the point where there's a lot of autonomous cars, and those are eating into Uber Lyft drivers' revenue and business models. And so we focus on one particular cab driver, and we get to kind of develop her story and how these autonomous cars are impacting her life, her relationships, and that she remembers, and then sparks new ideas, and just also you have interacting with every single passenger that you pick up. So there's an overarching storyline of setting in a new city, tying into past relationships and building that out. But then there's also the small hyper storylines of every single cab driver that you pick up. So it's kind of like Crazy Taxi. If you took out the crazy part and you just focused on picking up random people and the talking to them and getting to know them and interacting with them and all the ways you can choose dialogue, because the dialogue it helps you get that five-star score, you know, as an Uber Lyft driver would care about. But it also helps you understand your character and you find more about her backstory with every choice that you make as well. Like, this is going to be dialogue-heavy. This is narrative, story-driven. So you need to like that type of game, to like Neocab. But if you do, they've done a really good job with the way the dialogue, you actually care and are actually torn between some of the decisions you have to make. Yeah, so it is super dialogue heavy. So this is like a lot of reading. And then I would say with the soundtrack, it's it's kind of almost lulls you to sleep at times. But the story is interesting. Uh, there's this whole resource management aspect to it where you are trying to maintain the charge of your vehicle. So it's an electric vehicle and you every place you go to pick up uh, customers is going to eat away at that charge. Some of them will ask you to charge their their suits and things on your battery, and you have to decide if you're going to let them do it because it's going to eat away at your battery, and you're going to have to go buy charge someplace else, and you don't know what it's going to cost. Then you're all you always want to try to keep the customer happy to maintain that five star rating, and then meanwhile you have to make these choices. And there's this whole aspect with those choices of this thing called the feel grid bracelet which is always showing your emotion and it's this four color system where you have uh it, the customers can actually see this as well and it shows your current emotion whether you're it's red because you're angry anxious you're afraid or you're disgusted or it could be yellow that you're cheerful or hyper or it could be blue that you're lethargic or depressed or green that you're calm and chill and you kind of always want to aim for that yellow and green level but if you go into the red or into the blue, it's going to affect how your customers interact with you. And then you're going to have certain dialogue choices based on that. This is where things get a little confusing and weird, because 
you can kind of gauge of what your choices of how they're going to affect your mood. But for some reason, it locks you out from making certain choices. It won't let you choose things if you want to steer your emotions in a certain direction. You're not always allowed to do that. And it doesn't explain why you can't. You just can't select that option. It says this, you try to select it and it says you can't do this. I forget exactly what the, the message is, but it basically won't let you choose that choice and forces you basically to select a certain choice. So you have some decision making that you can make, but it still kind of guides you in certain directions. It's not so free form that you can make every decision and really steer it in the way you want. It's always going to kind of lead you in some direction uh, in the end. Like, it won't necessarily let you pick the options you want to pick. I always thought that was tied to your specific emotion level, why it blocks some things out. You mean, you think you're, like, on the edge of the emotion that it won't let you push even further into that? Maybe. Maybe yeah, that's like, what it is. I, 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 yeah, you're right, though. They didn't explain it. It's not clearly cut out of why certain dialogue choices aren't available. I noticed that, too. But honestly, I I didn't want to pick some of them. And really, as long as it says so-and-so will remember that, any <laughs> game that does that, I'm kind of intrigued by that. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> so I, I do I'll love that, that idea. And yeah, as I'm playing it, it reminded me of that Black Mirror episode, Nosedive, the one with Bryce Dallas Howard, where oh, yeah, it yeah, just yeah, knows I, the I whole that one. Yeah, yeah. electric cars that she has to pick up and everybody scores you based on your interactions and you kind of try to be fake, but... You also want to be real, depending on who you're interacting with, so you care about what you portray. Had that whole vibe going on, and making it a whole playable narrative idea was pretty enjoyable. If you're not a big fan of text, I could see that as a problem. <laughs> it also kind of reminded me, there was an episode of Orville that they did the similar thing, too, where people were going for certain Yeah, they ratings. land on the planet. Yeah. And yeah. he does that stupid thing where he dances around the statue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did like the idea of the game. And I guess if you play through it multiple times, you can get different endings. It's just, I wish there was more voice work in it just to kind of keep me engaged. But it, it was uh, an interesting take, especially where that whole aspect of the the people being able to actually, because it's this bracelet that lights up on your wrist, the customers can see exactly how you feel, and it steers them in certain ways. And they even, like, outright say, oh, it looks like you're getting angry. Did, it, did I touch a nerve? Did I say something inappropriate? And now you now have to kind of appease them because you want to keep that five-star rating, but then also you kind of want to just tell them how you feel. So it's always this delicate balance of kind of all these different factors because you need the stars, you need the money in order to be able to buy the charge to continue to go around and get additional customers. And then in the end, you're still trying to solve this overarching story as well uh, within the game. So there's all these little elements that kind of keep you engaged and always something to, and like even the individual passengers are interesting to, their stories are unique and different, and you might even run into the same passenger again. So something you said to them, or maybe some way you influence them, you're going to find out later on, because now you're going to get to see them again, and then interact with them again, and maybe something you said prior will have an effect. So it's definitely an interesting uh, take on one of these um various uh like 
text adventure games. Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot. This one is an instant standout just for the design quality. Like it reminded me of Love, Death, and Robots, and just how detailed they went with the animations and all of the depictions of the characters. It's some of the best character design I've seen on iOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it and like it, they just designed this whole interesting world. To, that you want to travel in and want to find out more about this whole story that's going on. And uh, it just, it definitely pulls you in uh, for just the way that they've uh, set it all up. Yep, just keep in mind, there's a lot of reading involved. So yes. Get your reading glasses <laughs> or whatever you need. Make sure you have time to read because there's, there's a lot to go through. Yep. And I think that's everything for episode 121 because guess what? Everything in the Apple Arcade is not perfect. That's why we have to spotlight it. Yep. That's all I have, but I agree. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Twitter at AppAdvice and at AppAddictNet throughout the week for updates. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.